all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. It sounded very much like a frog. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> Caught me off guard, obviously. You gonna welcome everybody? I am. <laughs> welcome, <laughs> welcome everybody. Welcome. <laughs> it's been a little bit since we recorded. It's been it ha- a two full weeks. two weeks. Yeah, yeah, because we recorded both episodes of Therac Twenty Five at once. Mm-hmm. Um, follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us All Bad Things Pod. Oh, on TikTok too. Uh, TikTok too. TikTok too. <laughs> Email us all bad things pod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Join our gift exchange as well. Do all of those things. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to probably put up stuff on social media one more time. Uh, we're probably going to have our cutoff be the end of October-ish. Um, because we've got, we actually have... A, a fair number of people from various countries participating. Okay. So we want to get the ball rolling. What's also been really great this year, so if you, if you want to join, um, email us, allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Email us your full name, like like if somebody was mailing you something, what name would they need to put it under and your mailing <laughs> and, address. And they're, and they're like, oh, my email address? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't I'm, think I'm, so. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, as well as a little bit about you. If, if you don't feel like sharing, that's fine. But um, last time we got feedback that um, people wish they knew a little bit about their recipient. Sure. Just to be able to personalize their gift a little bit more. And people are doing a really great job of just giving a nice little... Some people it's just a one sentence thing. Some people, you know, it's a small paragraph. Whatever you feel is going to give somebody some insight to you and what you're like and what you do and don't like so um and we'll randomly select who gets who as a recipient and uh we'll try and get every we're, we're attempting to get everybody a present by the end of the year right a gift by the end of the year there's no dollar limit on it at all although there is a serious backlog with everything on earth right now yeah that's true <laughs> so well, if- so if you don't get it by the end of the year, mm-hmm. you'll get it eventually. Yeah, that's the hope. <laughs> <laughs> that is the hope. Like poor Bruce who got my gift like f- six months later. <laughs> yeah, that might have been, maybe that was part of the cause of it. We just didn't know it yet. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it went from like North Carolina to New York to London Yeah, it went to all over the United States. And then back to the United States. <laughs> yes. And then back, to, the, then back yes. to New York. Yes, it was ridiculous. It, it bounced all over. And then finally to the Falkland Islands. Because it was probably like a bunch of people were like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Just send it back <laughs> just, to New York. Just, keep, just put it on this truck. What does it the matter? The Falkland Islands, is that real? <laughs> didn't, didn't I? It, wasn't that in a poem I read when I was five years old? <laughs> you know, in my head, I always confused the Shetland Islands and the Falkland Islands. They are extremely different. <laughs> In many ways. Oh, but um, but yes, so that'll be fun. Well, And David and I participated in it too, so somebody will get us. It was us. fun. Yeah. Yes, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and let's see. 
Did the country music stop at the fair? Uh, it just it. started again when oh, I was no. coming in. Okay. Yeah, I think this I is. The, I think now. this is the next band. Well, we're. I don't we're really in, hear it, which is. We're, we're inside. I was afraid it was going to bleed through. No. So no, we live. No, no, no. The the North Carolina State Fair is going on, and we live very close. To well, I'm guessing the, the. I'm guessing these performances happen at Dorton Arena. Mm, mm-hmm. So I looked up on Google Maps how far we are from Dorton oh. Arena. Exactly two miles. Oh, okay. And it's at night. Sound sound travels mm-hmm. obviously, but mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I think we're about like one and a half to two miles away. Yeah, from there. you nailed it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, like when you were at the office, like doing your thing, I was uh, like, like I can clearly hear that that's a country bland, band bland. <laughs> bland that yeah, works that's, too. <laughs> that does playing right now. That's funny. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but it was well. It was one of them. D- is there a difference? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're I we're alienating all of our country uh, country fan listeners, but um, we might hear the fireworks later. Oh, we it, will. That yeah. the mic I feel would pick that up. Yeah. but they do fireworks on the weekend. Every weekend night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, I am moving out of my my office. The biz is getting shut down. Due to conflict of interest because somebody's got a new job. Yes. That somebody would be me. I know I just told you I got a new job. Well, this is a new, new job. And I can't I can't really say where it is, but I really suspect that I will enjoy it. Did you catch that? Oh. Did you catch it? I did. Okay. Yes. We'll see if anyone else does. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Just don't say anything publicly. I, I, I shall not. <laughs> I'm telling the listeners if anybody oh, understood well, it. <laughs> them, them too. Um, so, but that means I'll be working from home for the near future, which is nice. Glad about that. But that also means that new that home office. <laughs> oh, fancy office technology. Baby came home to roost. Our, home. Our, our lovely, lovely computers. That's right. Um, and the desks are arriving tomorrow. All the movers are coming and the doing mo- everything. The movers are moving. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. And, uh, we'll have a better recording space very soon. And now better and, and, logistically, and, whether it sounds better, I don't know. And everyone listening is like that it took 225 episodes <laughs> for you to get better equipment. The yes. answer, the answer is <laughs> <Just> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> Uh, anyone who has listened to us for 225 episodes knows by now we are an amateur operation. <laughs> At best. <laughs> At best. That's right. There are a lot of amateurs who do this a lot better than we do. Uh, what you drinking tonight? I am drinking the finest national local beer on the market. That would be Miller Lite. Yes, oh, the, they know. They do the, know. The... <laughs> I am having one single because I want to sleep well tonight. Uh, Harvest Time from Raleigh Brewing, uh, which is one of our uh, pumpkins. Yes. One of the best ones. And I'm alternating that. And it's a weird combo because I'm alternating it with tangerine lemongrass seltzer water. So, (laughs) no, it's a little gross. I'm I'm actually going to take a sip of this for you so you don't feel the after effects of the tangerine. The tangerine lemongrass water is very good. It just doesn't necessarily complement well. pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't pair well. You're never going to see that in a pairing menu. Like, have this with a with a seltzer pumpkin, water. Pumpkin, tangerine, lemongrass. <laughs> Ew. No way. So. Huh. All right. We shall ready? we Shall we delve in? Let's delve. Um, so being that 
the job that I've been doing for a few months and I'm leaving this week um, has been in insurance, an insurance-related industry, uh, or I guess insurance is the industry, but anyway, um, I learned about this when taking a course for work, about this specific disaster, um, which just so happens to be the costliest disaster in this country's history. Now, not not U.S., this country that we're covering. Oh, okay. I don't mean this country that we're living That's in. That's what no, I thought you were no, saying. I was no, just no. like, holy... My I'm, mind started racing all of a oh, sudden. Oh, I know. I'm not sure. Katrina was up there. I would I would put... And we we haven't covered Katrina. Probably never will. Mm. We absolutely will. But okay. it's going to be like the Challenger. It's going to involve like... A lot of things. A lot of... Uh, it's a lot going, of research and a lot of effort. So it's, it's going to be somewhat professional amateurish. Well, you know, like how we did Hillsborough and how we yeah. did Grenfell, like and and AIDS, HIV. I feel like um, those we tried. Yes. <laughs> not saying we're not trying on other ones. Just I'm that when you that. have to pump it out week after week, you know. But um, yeah, I'm, dollar wise, I'm not positive. I, my, Hurricane Sandy's up there. I'm pretty sure. Too. My money is honestly on the 1906 San Francisco earthquake. We have mm. not covered that yet, and that no, we didn't. Just that, the 89 that literally decimated San Francisco. An entire huge, not not just city in America. It was obviously one of those, but a right. huge global port city yes. as well. Mm-hmm. So the after effects of that right were probably worse than the actual, and the damage itself is astronomical. Well, and, like, if you adjust for inflation, too, like, you know how they do those highest grossing movies of all time, but they adjust it for mm-hmm. inflation and somehow Gone with the Wind is still, like, the, <laughs> or I be- whatever? I believe, uh, number one, it it changes between sure. Gone with the Wind and Star Wars. Oh, that's interesting. I'd go with Star Wars, because Gone I've with never the seen Wind's... Gone with the Wind. I, I saw it when I was a kid, which is not... What one should do, I don't think. <laughs> but it's like I would want to. I would want to watch it one day just to. It's see about what the, the fucking South. Understandably, it's about the Confederacy, yeah, and I'm not hugely into that. I'm not either, but I. It'd be interesting to see a film made from that perspective, just so yeah. I can be like, "Wow, like that's." <laughs> well, that that's, was the way that that's people in, thought. That's incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but um, so. We'll cut the suspense. Everybody else knows about it. You're the only one who doesn't. This is the story of the 2016 Horse River Wildfire, also known as the Fort McMurray Wildfire, or simply as the Beast. Okay. I don't don't like the sound of any of them. Right? So beginning on May 1st, 2016, this went on for a couple months, a wildfire, wildfire, I don't know why I can't say wildfire, wildfire, a wildfire that started near Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada, okay. displaced 88,000 people and destroyed 1.5 million acres of land at an estimated cost of nearly 10 billion Canadian dollars. How many people did it displace? 88,000. Holy Christ. Mm-hmm. In in Canada. In Alberta. Yeah. In northwest of Edmonton, Alberta. We're going to get into that. I'll put this to you this way to our non-Canadian knowing fans, and there's probably plenty. Mm-hmm. Um, 88,000 people in Canada is like the, sar- uh, the the size of like a large city. What is, um, what's the total population of Canada? 
It's like thirty oh, million. I was going to guess like twenty. It's basically okay. it's basically a ten percent of, of, yeah. of the U.S. at any given time. So this would be the equivalent of like eight hundred eighty thousand yeah. people. Yep. Wow. Or proportionately. Yeah. Oh, but we experienced that with our wildfires in California this past yes. summer. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. This was not the largest fire by any means, or even the largest wildfire. But this um, is. This is <laughs> this is pretty bad. It was the cost. It is to date the costliest disaster in Canadian history. Yep. So primary sources were a review of the 2016 Horse River wildfire by the Alberta Agriculture and Forestry Preparedness and Response. Uh, that's actually where I got a lot of this information. Alberta Agriculture and Forestry, just more generally, the BBC, the CBC. Fort McMurray 468 First Nation, National Geographic, and Wikipedia. <laughs> so. Not Wikipedia. <laughs> not Wikipedia. So let's talk about where Fort McMurray is. So this is, it's sometimes called the Horse River Wildfire and sometimes called the Fort McMurray Wildfire. It, it The biggest, like, town nearby that was threatened and harmed by this fire was Fort McMurray. So that's why it's called that sometimes. So Fort McMurray is in the province of Alberta, Canada. Canada. No, actually, no, Canada is the, name is the name of the city. Of a suburb Canada, of, Canada. of Ottawa. Of Ottawa. <laughs> um, so on a map, if British Columbia is the farthest west of the provinces, Alberta is the one to its immediate east. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to look that up. <laughs> um, yeah, it's out there. Ed- I mean, Edmonton yeah. is also in Alberta. Well, yeah, that's right. So it's Calgary. Yeah. And that might be what you think of mm-hmm. when you think of Alberta. Um, Banff is in Alberta too, right? No? I think so. Or it's like, part of the Rocky, it's on the it's, west side. It's part of the Canadian Rockies. Yeah, it's a little closer yeah. to the BC part. But um, uh, yeah, so, so Calgary is kind of like more in the southern part of the, I said of the state, that's not what it is, of a province. Um, or you might think of Edmonton, which is known for being sort of the northern part of the province, right? It's Edmonton. Like, it's really like the northernmost city in North America, like period. Except, <laughs> like really... here's the thing. As it turns out, Edmonton is nowhere near as far north as civilization gets in Alberta. Edmonton sure. isn't even halfway up the province north to south. If you look at it on a map, sure. it's like in the about a third of the way up. But it's... Yes, because then you get into like Nunavut and Northwest yeah. Territories. I was like, yes, there you are get people. Into ice caps. There are people that live north of Edmonton. Mm-hmm. We just never hear from them. Yes, just like, <laughs> do you know anybody from Greenland? You no. Know? Yeah. Um, so if you keep heading north from Edmonton, pretty much <laughs> you will reach the top of Earth. Well, so pretty much in the you will upper... reach flat Earth. That's where it is. <laughs> oh, it's, it's above Edmonton. <laughs> So basically, in the upper third of the province, you will eventually find Fort McMurray. It's also farther east. It's closer to Saskatchewan, which is the next province Mm -hmm. over. It is a solid 435 kilometers or 270 miles north-northwest of Edmonton. It must be freezing fucking cold, like where that is. It should be freezing fucking cold. We're going to talk about that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even tell you how close it is to the Northwest Territories because Google Maps provided no directions that far north. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> like, like we haven't made it there yet. <laughs> I put that the Northwest Territories is one of the northernmost provinces of Canada that pretty much consists of dot 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 glaciers question mark question mark uh, question mark moose uh, yeah uh, nature polar bears mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. not some people like twenty but <laughs> also <laughs> mostly animals. This is something I learned: a grand total of about forty-five thousand people live in the entire province of Northwest Territories. Yeah. Alberta has four and a half million. Yeah. So both of those make sense. Yeah. To a degree. <laughs> so to delve into the history of Fort McMurray is to go way back into the history of the oil industry in Canada. Well, cause... Hey, and it's worked out just as well for Canada as it has for the oh, United Jesus States. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, well, what's the Edmonton hockey team? The they are Oilers, called the Oilers, right? yes. We're going to talk about why. Do you know why? Oh, yeah. The tar sands. That's part of Oil it now. Oil sands. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. I had never heard of this. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. You know more about this than I well, do. Well, I mean, sure. since... Uh, well, you might get into it, but if you don't, okay. I'll bring it up. Okay. So... Oil, and I didn't know this, oil's massive business in Canada. Yes. It's like behind banking and that's it. In terms of like, well, (laughs) I mean, like dollar for dollar. Those are top three. (laughs) And they rotate as far as like who's number one. (laughs) And as the name of the Edmonton Oilers might suggest, Alberta is oil rich. And it actually... Alberta alone makes up the huge bulk of the Canadian oil yes. industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but not so much in like the hitting an oil well sense. It is tar sands or, or oil sands. Yep. Because um, the what I always picture is like the Galveston oil rigs, right? And that's no, not what that's, it's like. That's not what this is. No. I mean, no, there, it's not at all. there are a lot of ways to extract, extract oil. Yes. And this is this is probably one of the most controversial, I would say. Mm, over fracking? Uh, well, fracking is natural gas, mm-hmm. not oil. Oh, okay, fair. Yeah, but, um, gotcha. But yeah, there's... Anyway, you might get into so, that. So, I didn't get super deep into it, so if you have anything more to bring up, but... Um... Uh, in Alberta, there's a unique type of oil deposit known as oil sands... There are three large oil sands deposits in the province. The Peace River oil sands, the Cold Lake oil sands, and the Athabasca oil sands. I want to say the original season of Ice Road Truckers, which I did watch, uh was about them transporting the oil Oil from from Edmonton, or north of Edmonton, Mm -hmm. literally like the end of the fucking earth. Yep. If I'm remembering the geography correctly, like... Edmonton kind of skirts the southernmost parts of the oil sands. Otherwise, it's all like slightly east and north and of that's, Edmonton. And that's pretty much where all the manufacturing is. Mm-hmm. But all of the executives and people live in sure, Edmonton. Sure, Yep. You know? No, that makes sense. Yep. So um, Fort McMurray is on the Athabasca oil sands. So, um, yeah, so Edmonton is like nearish to Cold Lake and Athabasca. I believe Peace River is farther up north. So while Alberta is a significant place on Earth where these types of oil sands are found, other locations include Russia, Kazakhstan, and Venezuela. Mm-hmm. All I knew Russia also does the same thing. That's that's also been like a... That's a point been, of controversy. That's, well, that's been like a, a pipeline we've been trying to get a piece of forever. 
Well, because we have such a great, such a great relationship with Russia. That's why we don't have a It's not like anything. (laughs) (laughs) Not like we've ever had a a tense time with Russia. Not at all. Especially over a 50-year period. Oh, (laughs) jeez. So oil sands are pretty much what they sound like. Crude oil Mm -hmm. found in sand. Or specifically, it's like a sand-clay watery mixture that also contains bitumen. I don't know what that is. So, it it is, is, is spelled... that one of the soaps I have? <laughs> right now, I don't think so. <laughs> I hope not. I hope you don't have oil in your soap. We'd have to call well, Doctor I mean, Scotch about that. I was gonna say, like <laughs> most soaps do, though, don't they? Not tar. Oh, <laughs> not well, oil. Well, you said, well, I'm I'm thinking, you know, like oils. this is this. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about <laughs> not, bitumen. Not kerosene. <laughs> bitumen is also known as asphalt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't have one um, of those. Technically, the word bitumen is used for the naturally occurring mineral, and asphalt is used for the finished product that's okay. used. Also often used interchangeably with concrete that, and that's cement. That's why it has that smell. Like, have you ever smelled, like, freshly asphalt, laid asphalt? It smells like oil? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, like, that Yeah. That type, it just has yeah. a pungent smell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interestingly, bitumen is also what makes up the tar of the famous La Brea tar pits. Oh, That's all bitumen. Interesting. Yeah, in LA. So the Athabasca oil sands are huge. Like it's so hard to underestimate or overestimate how big Canada is. It is. It's as, a, as a landmass, yes. it's a, it's the second biggest country in the world next to Russia. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and Probably similar. 90% of the population lives within 100 miles of the U.S. border. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> if give you go clue, too much farther just north. Just to give you a clue how fucking cold it is. And like, Although that's and changing. And for humans, for the most part, pretty much uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. Mm. For, mo- uh, for um, colonizing humans, yeah. let's say. Because there are, are sure. indigenous people who do mm-hmm. and have for ages and ages yeah. lived but, much But no land north. developer is going to be like, no. let's go north of Edmonton <laughs> and see what's going on up there. Right? <laughs> uh, until you say, hey, we found oil. Then yeah. they're all for well, it. Well, no, then they're bringing in like the, the business interests right. and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not bringing in homes. No. Well, they kind <laughs> they of are. have to. Like, they are. They are. To, like, to house them. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Fort McMurray, like, I kind of got the impression, it reminds me of, remember when we watched that documentary about fracking in, was it North Dakota? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the the boom town, um, and and you mentioned this, like, where they were hiring workers at Walmart for, for like 20, 18, I think it was $18 uh, an something hour. Something like that, yeah. Just because they had to. Yep, because, and, and people would go just to live there for a year and work and bring home, yeah. like, scads of money Stupid from Stupid amounts of money. Yeah. You can do the same in this part of the earth, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, mm-hmm. you could... Anybody listening who's like, I want to make $100,000 next year. But you can, keep, <laughs> keep but in mind that, where you're going. Watch that documentary first, because <laughs> yes. that showed the realities of it what did. Ma- that one year is like. Yeah, because you're so not going to be like, the only one. Well, and it's like um, basically a year in prison, more or less, with like hard labor, is what it was. People were living in their cars. Yeah. Like, it was awful. But anyway. Yeah. But they made so, some fucking bank, though. Well, but what's worth it, you know? Yeah. So the Athabasca oil sands are found over an area of around 141,000 square kilometers Jesus. or 54,000 square miles, which is the size of the state of Florida. That's, yeah. It's that big. 
Um, and it's an estimated... And it's literally like a plaything for oil companies. Yeah. Something the size of Florida. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. So it is estimated that the oil sands of... Or the Athabasca oil sands contain around 1.7 trillion barrels of bitumen. So that's not even like refined oil. That's mm-hmm. the the crude mineral. That's just the asphalt. And we'll, we'll melt that down later. Well, it's the bitumen that no, we'll create. <laughs> yeah. um, the oil sands of Alberta, of which Athabasca is the largest, have the world's fourth largest oil reserves behind the well-known oil players of Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, and Iran. They're so big, they are visible from space. Nice. And the bitumen in these sands have been used for centuries by people in Canada, going back to the indigenous people who used it to waterproof their canoes. And also not ruin the earth while doing it, but... Um, well, I mean, there were so few of them at the time. Like they, well. <laughs> there weren't enough people doing this to ruin the earth. We're also we're going to also get into some First Nation issues here, too, because... I'm sure. Honestly, you know what? Like, Canada, I'm sorry, you're like the fucking states. You can't... Uh, well, you know what Canada... You can't dig more than, do like... Do you know what Canada used to be before it was Canada? It was England. Yes, yes, it was fully colonized. So fucking, so of course, Mm -hmm. like it's just as bad. Yeah. (laughs) If not worse. You know the, um, now. Or the United, the United Kingdom. Yeah. Great Britain. Yeah. So we're bad here in the States. It's not good. But seeing some things. the shit that's been coming out lately. Oh, oh yeah, all the shit out of Canada. Now, Canada's just, like, it's not a dick measuring contest as it's to not. who was the worst <laughs> to indigenous people. We were. We're number one, remember? <laughs> right. USA. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> so, anyway. Literally, literally made extinct their entire food supply and then killed them. And then killed them before that and then after that and then in between. Just and then the... drove them <laughs> yes. out of their But it's lands. okay. But it's okay because as I've seen some right wingers put on, on Twitter, Indian tribes also fought each other. So what we did is completely okay. They did. They fought each other exactly the way we fought them too, you know. But it, it it's just it, it doesn't matter anymore Jeez. because they fought each other. My my least favorite argument, and I'm not going to tell you who has actually sort of, and not an argument, but just like a counterpoint. People have always done that to each other <laughs> yeah, over the just, centuries. Like oh god, which is not untrue. It's not untrue. But it's not an excuse. It's exactly. Not a fucking excuse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Fort McMurray was originally a land of, of course, indigenous people, followed by colonizers, as it became an important trading post in which trade? David. I'm going to go with fur trade. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Yes. What, what? I'm expecting a prize. Yeah, I know. Ding, ding, Where ding. Where is it? Yay. <laughs> Not seeing anything physical. It was is there, like the, is there a PlayStation Five out in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> it was like the the easiest Jeopardy question, the one hundred dollar one. No, of course no, they, no. all they did was fur trade. No, <laughs> only certain people would know the answer to that question. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm one of those people. Well, you're descended of those fur traders. I am the mercenary <laughs> fur traders. Literally, yes. <laughs> Not even kidding. I am. I am just a descendant of Hessian drummers, and you are a descendant <laughs> of mercenary, mercenary fur, fur traders. traders. <laughs> and those are both true statements. Yeah. Come fuck with me. 
Uh, so the area's oil sands were discovered, or at least first described on record, in 1790. But of course, they didn't had nothing to do with the oil. But somebody, an, <laughs> somebody lost that scroll, right? By an explorer named Sir Alexander Mackenzie. The town itself wasn't founded until 1870, where it was named after William McMurray of the Hudson Bay Company as their post. Fort McMurray continued to be mostly a trade stop, including by rail and ship, because of the nearby Athabasca River. Then in the early 1920s, as industry and the constant need for oil continued to grow, interest started increasing in the Athabasca oil sands. What had just wrapped up in 1920? World War I. Exactly. That's yep. why there was such a huge need for oil, because yep. that was literally the first mechanized war. Mm-hmm. And part of why Germany lost, because they didn't have any oil reserves. Mm. So they couldn't fly as many planes, have as many mm. tanks, couldn't have as, like, yeah. So what screwed the Kaiser in the end was oil? <laughs> That's oversimplifying it, probably. It is. <laughs> but there's a, there a history channel that called exactly that, Oversimplified. Oh, like a YouTube channel? Yes. Oversimplified. That's fair, because... And it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, because you can't possibly grasp all the nuance of no. massively complicated no. socioeconomic and like, that's literally, political issues. That's literally what you go to, like, you know, college... Like, to become a PhD fucking... in, like, one little tiny <laughs> yes. corner of it. So you learn one detail of one thing, and it takes you years and years to learn. Like, yeah, there are 15 novels on, like, the, the Haitian drum machine. And you're like, I didn't even know that it existed. <laughs> right? But, but there's 15 novels of it. Right? Well, that's... It's fun to always look at, like... Or it's always fun to look at, like, um, thesis topics... They're so fucking, like, yeah, it's micro-focused. Like, it's like, I'm never going to go there, but I'm kind of glad somebody else did. Right? Somebody <laughs> learned about this in such excruciating detail. I'm even happier that it wasn't me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, so, in the 1930s, Abbasan's Oil became the first company to be able to extract oil from the sands using hot water. And gradually over the decades, Fort McMurray became basically a boom town, especially when the oil and energy crises of the 1970s spiked the price of oil. Mm -hmm. Between 1971 and 1981, the town's popula population went from just under 7,000, this is in a decade, to 31,000. That's insane. Eventually peaking to 37,000 in 1985. So in 14 years, it quintupled in yeah. size. Yeah. Size plus a little bit. Yep. Mm-hmm. So this is... Oh, go yeah, ahead. Imagine having the infrastructure for that. Yeah, right? So this is going to become more pertinent later in the story. Fort McMurray is home to the Fort McMurray 468 First Nation. And I am... We kind of touched on this. I'm not going to get massively in the weeds, especially at the risk of not doing justice to an incredibly complex topic. Um, but I do want to touch on this, that like most colonized land, Canada has a long terrible history of subjugation of indigenous peoples. Um, in 1867, part of Canada's constitution specifically assigned jurisdiction of indigenous people to the Canadian parliament. The legislation colloquially, colloquially is known as, and this is, I am saying this is the way that it is known, the Indian Act, and it established how the Canadian government would interact with First Nation bands. And those are the governing bodies of um, mm -hmm. 
various groups. Tribal leaders. Various groups of people, yep. Including establishing what are known as Indian reserves. Here in the States, we call them reservations. Mm -hmm. Same idea. Basically, the idea, hey, how about we steal all of your land and then relegate you to a little corner of it. Give you a little slice of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and, what could be more fair? And there will be so few of you that, like, when somebody even brings up, like, your ancestry or heritage, you'll be like, oh, they're still alive? Mm. I've never even seen one. Jeez. And, and I'm not even, because it's not pertinent to this story, like, getting into how terrible COVID has been for indigenous yeah, people. It's, it's been, it's been not good. Uh, as I've always said, we all live... <laughs> I literally grew up... In stolen land built on the backs of enslaved people. And it fucking sucks. I literally grew up next to an American and a Canadian reservation. A a reservation and a reserve. Yes, Mm -hmm. both. Jeez. Got better weed on the reserve, though. I'm sure they're very happy to hear that. The Fort McMurray 468 First Nation is a band of Cree and Chippewyan First Nation Mm. peoples consisting of four reserves, two of which were populated in 2016. And this is from best I could tell from information that they had on their website, um, with a total of 321 residents. Um, And then I'm going to mention, because this comes up later in the story, the Meti. Are okay. um I think it I don't think the S is pronounced so it's M with an E and a little accent mark T I S anyway it's a separate group of indigenous people in Canada well primarily located in Canada some northern U S too um who have both indigenous and European ancestry primarily French hence the name Métis but they are considered a separate people group okay so they're not considered First Nation they're Métis. So, um, now we're getting into climate change and wildfires a little bit. So, Alberta. We're getting closer to our final episodes. <laughs> yes, a Cli- little bit. Cl- climate change. And capitalism. And then capitalism. Mm-hmm. Or capitalism and the climate change. Remember, dear listeners, when you hear the capitalism episode. We're winding it up. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alberta has a messy relationship with ecology. To be fair, we could say that about literally everywhere, but... Um, Canada has attempted to respond to climate change. Um, when you look at rankings of countries by how well or how not well they are responding to climate change, they rank a little higher than the U.S., so that's well, not they, saying I mean, a whole lot. But... They should. I mean, they, they have a much smaller population. Well, more than that. Let's, let's keep going sure. here. So, And they probably take it seriously, here's too. Here's the thing. Canada actually is one of the more affected countries when it comes to climate change. Statistically speaking, Canada is warming at mm-hmm. about twice the average rate as the West sure. rest of the world. It's so far because north. Because the poles are... Yes. 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 Yeah. And the ice caps are melting and all that stuff, right? So, um, and it's a huge landmass. So, it's a huge landmass in the northern part of the globe. They're this gonna, becomes a big problem for them. They are likely to feel the initial brunt of it. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to fucking die, right, eventually. But Canada might die first. I, I'm, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying of the slow burn, which is what yeah. which is what climate change is. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. something that happens mm-hmm. over... A... It's, it's starting the most dramatically the further mm-hmm. north you go, right? So, yeah, yeah basically. Um, the oil... 
just in a like a vicious circle, the oil sands of Alberta are also contributing to this climate change, right? Extracting bitumen is no small feat. It is buried generally quite deep into the ground. There's a lot of drilling involved, which takes a lot of energy in a really remote place. Um, it's also extremely viscous. I read in one place that the consistency of raw bitumen at room temperature is roughly the same as cold molasses. Yeah, that's which is how like, the fuck do you extract that? Yeah, by heating it up, uh, the hot water method and all that, but But still, it's it's deep in the ground, like, that's a long process. It takes injected steam to warm it up to a point where it can even become slightly liquid enough to extract it, and that takes shit tons of energy just to get that. It's like, how do you stumble upon this? Like, who went into the earth? I know, right? I have no idea. And, like, there's something, like, as cold as cold molasses but you know we what can use it yep if we can extract it somehow and heat it up you know like, <laughs> i often think like what who, if who did that <laughs> sometimes i've thought like if the enti- everyone in the the entire world had my exact like capacity we would all still be like prehistoric <laughs> i was gonna say we'd probably still be in the neanderthal yes. or neanderthal yes. stage depending yes. on from what region of science you come from. So climate change wouldn't be a problem, but like neither would evolution because yeah. we'd just be stuck in this same like, yeah. um, I wouldn't have even, we'd probably just all be dying because yeah. I wouldn't have even discovered fire. And you would have literally known like 10 words and yeah. like that's it. <laughs> Actually, right. I do feel I would have developed language very well, but you it would wouldn't have, have mattered you, because you we'd all known die. 15. Yes. yes. And you would would have written one song. <laughs> Actually, music would have gone pretty well too. <laughs> yeah. But a world with um, music and language, but and math to an extent, at least money. Um, but everybody dies by like age six months. Yeah. I guess that's not going to work out. So I was well. going to say like sixteen years. Like everybody's dead yeah, by guess. the time like their sixteenth birthday comes around. Hey, but... that doesn't sound like a terrible idea. <laughs> Ah, uh, knowing well, what we're all facing today, maybe well, it's not such a bad idea. Well, there was a time when it happened, mm-hmm. but then we evolved. Uh, if we could just go back and stop revolution. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm just getting morose. So, closer to Fort McMurray, there are more surface deposits of bitumen. And so they have like these surface strip mines. Um, And it is easier to extract, but that means ripping out the forest under which this oil lies. And we're going to talk about the forest in a minute. (laughs) Whatever. I know. And You want to make an omelet. (laughs) Jesus. And then even worse, these open pits create waste ponds. And then those waste ponds harm animals. They try to keep the animals out of them. Like, they literally have these mechanized birds sticking up out of these pits. Like... to try and like scare away they'll still get in there of course so they're poisoning these animals they're also fucking poisoning the earth yes (laughs) and this has resulted in large swaths of once beautiful wilderness being destroyed in the name of industry and first nation people and others who use the land to hunt and forage like uh, this wildlife is being lost and they can't do that that was a damn good omelet though I believe believe that was a Denver omelet I believe that was a 1% omelet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the best. Uh, there are also many concerns about pollution causing birth defects, um, stillbirths, and other ill health effects. To yeah, whatever. 
Whatever. But we're not even getting into yeah. that. Hey, if you have a stillbirth in Texas, you can go to jail. Uh, yeah. God. <laughs> Quite literally. I'm not even joking. Like, anyone who, quote, sues somebody under that stupid fucking law, like, I don't want to say dox them, but, you know. Yeah. Dude, you deserve much of a life for doing something like that? Yeah. Like, to me, that's criminal. That is the criminal part. Anyway. Um, so climate has also greatly affected wildfires in the area. <laughs> One outrage at Let's a time. delve back into that. Yep. So wildfires have a long history in Canada. Again, anywhere where there's forests and such. Um, but that's, a, like, the the if you go back, back, th- that history, that's very natural. Fi- wildfires actually play a very important natural part of the overall ecosystem. Yeah, it's not that they've never happened before. No, right? and in fact, it's not that but, they're, they've always been bad. Right. Yeah, so what, so Canada's, much of Canada's wilderness, especially in this area, um, consists of, oh, I hope I'm saying this right, bo- either boreal forests or boreal forests. Sure. <laughs> Um, it's also known as taiga, and these forests are basically, they're made up mostly of conifer trees, so it's like pine, larch, spruce. Evergreens. Yeah, kind of, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Um, in forests like this, I think they're called conifers because they have the cones. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's it. (laughs) I'm not an arborist. (laughs) (laughs) These forests, um... Uh, or in forests like this, the wildlife has adapted to periodic fires. It's sure. it's evolved to adapt to this. Um, and fires can help, like, clear out dead organic matter. Like bramble and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And then that helps the soil. Mm-hmm. It enriches the soil, which helps the plants, which helps the animals. And then that's the whole ecosystem. It's literally a life cycle. It is the circle of life. Yes, quite literally. And fire actually plays an important part of that. Um, Fire can be an important part of helping soil be more fertile, growing healthier plants, feeding insects and animals, helping them be healthier. It's, It's when naturally occurring, it can be beneficial. And while these wildfires can and have occurred naturally for who knows how long, there is also the practice of controlled man-made fires fulfilling this role. Um, And another important role of clearing out the debris that would otherwise be fodder for an uncontrolled fire, right? So they, if there's like a lot of dry shit on the ground that needs to get cleared out, better to burn it controlled Mm -hmm. than to let something get out of control. Yeah. Yep, and these uncontrolled fires can, of course, threaten people, property, nature. Um, As Canada has developed, so has the fire control system there, an undertaking that costs around a billion dollars a year to manage. Uh, There's just a lot of forest. Pretty good investment. Yes, there's there's a a lot of wilderness in Canada, so it needs a lot of abatement to uncontrolled wildfires. And while these efforts have been steadily rising with increased land expansion over the past half century or so, things have really ramped up since the 90s. The increasing temperatures resulting from human-caused climate change, because we're not (laughs) fucking idiots who think it's something else, is not a fucking all-natural cycle of the universe, fucking idiots. But the thing is that it is, 
but it's 8,000 years too soon. <laughs> and going way too fast. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that could yes. have only have been... <clears throat> I wonder what our as, the, the variable was as here. As two very close friends of mine have said to me, mm-hmm. and they both work in this field, the reason it's sped up so much is because of us. Yes. Yes. And if you think otherwise, this is not the podcast for you. Goodbye. No, no time for that shit. Not one fucking second time for that shit. Mm-mm. So, um, and human-caused climate change has spelled bad news for countries with large swaths of forests, sure. like Canada. These large northern boreal forests are among the first parts of the world to feel the effects of climate change and at a greater intensity, as we mentioned, more frequent human and lightning-caused fires, right? Because... The, the source of the fire could be natural or not. It's the rate, it's it's whether it can remain controlled or whether it just burns and burns and starts threatening land, people, nature, industry, everything. Um, the, the, and they're co- becoming bigger, stronger, longer lasting, and more destructive. The threat of uncontrolled wildfires in Alberta is at its highest in the late spring. Because at that point, the snow has melted, the ground has started to dry, but new vegetation hasn't started growing yet. So it's all the old stuff there. Also, the days are starting to get longer. So heat is rising, and so is the, or well, rather, the heat is rising (laughs) while the humidity is dropping. And that is prime conditions for a fire to burn. So in 2015, the year prior to this fire, the Horse River or Fort McMurray fire, Alberta had a very active wildfire season. So at that point, the average number of fires in a five-year period had been 911, right? So up to that point, previous five-year period, 911 wildfires. In 2015, by itself... 1,786 wow. wildfires burned almost 5,000 square kilometers or 1,900 square miles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then was that? Yeah, that was Alberta. That was Alberta alone, mm. too. Weather conditions in the area during the winter of 2015 into 2016 did not do much to help lessen the upcoming risk of wildfire. It was a lot drier and warmer than an average winter. Usually... <laughs> Shock. The winters are very harsh in this region. Um, Could have fooled me. Right? <laughs> it's considered to be subarctic is the climate. It's cold as fuck. Yes. It's extremely <laughs> cold. <laughs> um, like you can have all the North Face gear on you want to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's actually on TikTok I follow a scientist who works at a research center in the South Pole. And he walks outside, but he looks like the Michelin man. He's so, like, geared up. (laughs) Because, of course. Um, So, because it was a warmer winter, obviously there wasn't as much snow. So, not as much melting snow to seep into the vegetation and the soil to keep it all kind of damp and less prone to wildfires. So, by the time April 2015 rolled around, dry and warm conditions prompted a much higher score on the fire warning index in the Fort McMurray area, with the risk of fire being considered extreme. 
May temperatures were forecasted to reach around 30 degrees Celsius, which is around 86 Fahrenheit. And for reference, the average high in Fort McMurray in May is around 18 Celsius or 65 degrees Fahrenheit. Hmm. So it's going to be like 20 degrees Fahrenheit higher, 12 that's, Celsius. That's a lot. It's it's massively. Imagine. That, that would be considered an extreme weather condition. I think it would. I think it would. All of a sudden at, at this time, the following year, on average, it'll be 12 degrees higher. Right. Or 12 degrees Celsius higher. Yes. Uh-huh. 20 Fahrenheit. Yeah, I know. May 1st, 2016 itself also set up the conditions for the fire. Between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. that mo- that morning, the humidity dropped by 10%. Temperatures rose throughout the day, eventually exceeding the relative humidity value. And that's called crossover conditions to those who work in forestry, firefighting, and suppression. So crossover conditions are related to a phenomenon known as a blow-up or blow-up. So that's the ability for a wildfire to increase in speed and intensity very quickly to a point that whatever strategy is being employed by firefighters is overwhelmed and they have to, like, figure something else out. Now, while basically uncontrolled, right? So while one would certainly think that these highly favorable wildfire conditions would result in an increased response in terms of staffing and finding or funding a robust firefighting system... An April 19th, 2016 article, so this is like 11, 12 days before the fire, less than two weeks before this fire, an article was published by the CBC that raised concerns that Alberta had reduced the fire suppression budget in the province by $15 million. Alberta Premier Rachel Notley said that that was just a base level of funding and that if there was an emergency, then emergency funding would kick in at that point and boy would it <laughs> so well, yeah. let's not forget i mean phenomenally rich people that can't spend all the money that they have in 12 lifetimes they need that extra 15 million dollars to put in an offshore account somewhere right mm-hmm. i mean that's more important than you're, you're right tax evasion and avoidance is more <clears throat> important than Public funding. Yep. They don't That's even, how life works. <laughs> in in our country of America, you don't even have to do evasion or avoidance. You can literally just like, I'm just going to put it over here. Well, so those are actually technically two different things. Sure. Evasion means yeah, well, you're let's, doing let's... illegal stuff. Avoidance yes. means you're doing legal stuff that's in the lo- a loophole. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's all. That's all. That's all as far. You're like, please don't like, start talking like, about taxes. Do not go down. <laughs> oh, you're going to hear so much about taxes, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yeah. You've you've uh, just resigned yourself to that fact, though, I right? I have. So has Jesse. Look at him. Oh, yes. He's trying to get out. Jesse. He's like, I don't want to hear about the taxes either. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the fire then. So the Horse River... Wildfire was first detected by people who were doing exactly that, looking for wildfires. Alberta Agricultural Agriculture and Forestry, or AF, monitors conditions under which wildfires may become a hazard, and they deploy aircraft to patrol and keep a lookout for any sign of fire. At 4.03 p.m. local time, so this is May 1st, 2016, a patrol helicopter spotted the fire. At the time, the fire covered about two hectares, which is... Hectares? 
So there's not another C in there. Oh, okay. I thought it was Hectacurse, too. Yeah, that's how I've always said it in my mind. So it's actually H E C T A R E S. Mm -hmm. Hectares. Sure. I'm me too. I thought it was hecticers. It's not. <laughs> anyway, that's about five acres in an area just around seven kilometers or four point three miles southwest well, of Fort uh, McMurray. Yeah, hex is a uh, five, right? Hexagon, hect. Well, so here's the thing: know. it's two hectares, mm-hmm. but that equals five acres. So if it was one hectare, I guess. But that was five. <laughs> this is. It took me so much conversion <laughs> for a Google conversion here. Anyway. Um, so it was a little southwest of Fort McMurray, just south of the Athabasca River and just north of the much smaller Horse River, which gave this fire its name. So this whole thing started when they found a wildfire that was burning five acres, which is not much. It's not much. <laughs> My family lived on a farm in Minnesota briefly when I was a kid, and it was a five acre farm. Yeah. And that's not much. Imagine if they had that extra $15 million to have like a small crew out there and just finish it right there. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. We'll use emergency fund. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so it was at this time considered an intensity class four fire, which means a, quote, surface wildfire with organized flame front, end quote. Um, but it was moving quickly at the rate of about 10 meters or 33 feet per minute. That's really fast. That's pretty fast. Of course, firefighting efforts began immediately, but they were not able to extinguish or contain the fire, and it continued to spread. How could you? Well, that's what they're finding out. Because the conditions were so prime for it. It crossed the Horse River. Which, I don't know how a fire crosses a river, but apparently it's possible and it's really fucking freaky. Um, and Jesse, Jesse, Jesse Pinkman, come on, calm down, come, come up here. Um, and conti- come on, continued spreading east, come on, growing in intensity to become a class five fire. Hi, baby. And within a few hours of being spotted, so just a few hours after being spotted, I feel like I'm a mother with a child here. It covered 120 hectares, or nearly 300 acres, or almost half a square mile. Like, just like that. In just a few few hours. Yeah. And it gained speed, spreading now closer to 30 meters, or about 100 feet per minute. So, by the next morning, so they did not contain it. No. No. By the next morning, May 2nd, Around 10 a.m., the fire had gained enough ground to cover 818 hectares, or over three square miles. So, five acres to three square miles. Within 10 hours, it had more than tripled in size to 2,655 hectares, or a bit over 10 square miles. In, like, 24 hours, basically. Its path began to encroach on some of the neighborhoods of Fort McMurray, and a voluntary evacuation began. Then the next day was warmer than the previous two. That just added to the conditions uh, for the fire to grow. Strong winds kicked up as a cold front approached, with the strongest gusts reaching around 40 kilometers per hour or 25 miles per hour. Of course, that helped it spread. And as the fire spread closer to Fort McMurray, the voluntary evacuation became mandatory. And when all was said and done, a total of 88,000 people had to be evacuated during the course of the fire. Mm Mm-hmm. 
By 8 p.m. on the evening of May 3rd, so a little over 48 hours after it had first been spotted, the fire had grown to cover an estimated 18,678 hectares, or 72 square miles. Now, the reason I brought up the First Nation people living in this area before is because of the conditions under which these people dealt with the fire, which shows some of the tension that exists between Indigenous people and the authorities of the Canadian government. So as people fled Fort McMurray, some traveled north to Fort McKay, a community that was about 54 kilometers or 34 miles up the Athabasca River from Fort McMurray. And the bulk of its residents are part of the Fort McKay First Nation and the Fort McKay Metis. So the small community was quickly, like this is a, this is a tiny town <laughs> yeah. and like thousands of people are headed their way, right? Like, hey, can we, can we use this can we land crash here? for a little bit? Yeah. Like nothing, like. There wasn't the infrastructure. Well, and also like there's no historical, yeah, historical precedence. Right? So how this is going to fucking turn here, out right? for you. But can we have it anyway? So they were quickly overwhelmed by the unexpected Influx yes, of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was only one store, and evacuees picked it clean. According to Ron Kintal, the president of the Fort McKay Metis, quote, people were taking food out of their own fridges to cook for people, end quote. Like, they were, like, it, it reminds me. It reminds me, and we'll have to cover this as, like, an all good thing one day, but, you know, um, a 9-11 when a bunch of people got diverted to that one town in Canada. Well, a lot of planes got diverted to Operation Yellow Ribbon. That's that what it. You're ta- That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. A lot of planes got diverted to Canada and they... They kind of took people in. They they yes. helped host people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our fine Canadian brethren. Yeah. As yeah. I have always called them. Yep. So, assistance to the community, to Fort McKay, which was struggling so much to just, like, keep up with the visitors, was slow in coming, and its residents were initially forced to cope all of all on their own. On May 4th, the temperatures remained high, and the approaching cold front really started to ramp up the winds, with gusts as high as 65 kilometers per hour, or 40 miles per hour, recorded. The fire narrowly missed the Fort McMurray International Airport and began spreading south towards, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Gregor Lake? It's either Gregor or Gregoire. Anyway, and the first... It is is Canada. It is. I'd go with Gregoire. Gregoire. And the First Nation 468 Band. So the people of the band were becoming increasingly uncomfortable with how close the fire was getting, but they had not been given an evacuation order. Brad Callahoo, the CEO of the 468 band, even got a call from authorities telling him, do not evacuate. Like, don't evacuate the reserves. But fearing for the safety of the people on the reserves and in direct defiance of this call, the First Nation declared their own evacuation. Order. Sure. Like, you know, we are, we're yeah, We're our own, yeah. Yeah, we're watching out for ourselves here, as they should, and like, we're... And- we're getting the fuck out. Maybe we don't quite trust the Canadian government at this point, you know. That's fair play. Oh, I think those are the fireworks. I think they are, actually. <laughs> yes, I think they blew they are. No. Oh, it's, it's a train. It, it, it's a train. Oh. Ever-present train. Train, fireworks. <laughs> it is a train town. Dolphin fetus, human fetus. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the same. Ah, So, the 468 band also... Oh, goodness. 
It's not that this is disinteresting. I don't know why it got the yawns all of a sudden. Um, they assembled their own firefighters and spent several million dollars constructing a fire guard to protect their land, which they did successfully. I'm not 100% clear on what a fire guard is, and I didn't find I'm, much more information. But... I'm sure it has a lot to do with digging. Um... Oh, maybe. I can't Trenches remember what they're called. Well, that's of? what they're digging, but there's a term for it. Oh, It'll okay. it cuts off the fire so it can't travel. Okay. That's probably this thing what it hopped a river, which is scary, but at least they were able do... to figure it out. Yeah, but I guess with the cuz it's not like these tribes hadn't seen this before. Well, that's the thing too is that these are people who have been around for but a while. They're still around for yes. a reason. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they understand the land that they're on yeah. and they don't massively disrespect it no. and try to force it to be something it isn't. So, um, so Cal. But they fought each other. <laughs> Calhoun and others assert that if they hadn't taken action themselves, the First Nation reserves would likely have been destroyed, while other sources say that the First Nation just supported the firefighting efforts and weren't necessarily responsible for them. Maybe it's just me. I'm slightly more inclined to believe the indigenous people here as opposed to the colonizer. Hey, colonizers. Um, of which I am one. You know, like, I I think, I, I think I'm going to trust their well, account. Well, number one, we're not. We're, we're, we're descendants of those. Mm. Yeah, we are. I, I don't I don't, we don't need to get no into we that. Don't. it's the same thing it's the same argument as white privilege a lot of people uh, you know. well whatever mm. but all I'm saying is like I was just born in Messina New York like I didn't colonize it and nobody I grew up around did either yeah but that's a weak sauce argument that I didn't start the fire it's not my fault okay. I shouldn't have to do anything about it that's not what I'm saying but anyway okay well just agree to move on from sure. that for right now yeah those who evacuated from the First Nation also reported feeling unwelcome and stereotyped by people working at the evacuation centers. By the afternoon of May 4th, the convection columns of the fire, so that's basically the like the smoke, the gas, the ash, and other debris from the fire. So the fire column sure. had grown to a height of 12.5 kilometers, which is just a shy height? of eight miles. The fuck? Up. I know. I know. It sounds like a fucking, like a, it sounds Tornado. like a disaster movie. Yes, it sounds like an end of the world apocalyptic thing. Yeah, I know. I'm going to guess that's how it felt like, too. Prob oh, probably. Oh, yeah. Let me show you. So, I didn't <laughs> There's an eight-mile-high firewall heading towards... You can towards... see the pictures Jesus of these. Christ. It looks It looks like a disaster movie. It doesn't even look real. No. It looks like effects, right? It, it literally just looks like it's oh firewalls. oh here's a building like a random building in mm -hmm. Oklahoma. I'm just gonna put an eight mile high fire around it. Right. Like as like it looks like it looks like it's fake, but it's not. It's definitely not. <laughs> what the fuck? It's horrible. That is the scariest one. Like look it at that. It looks like a thundercloud of fire. Of fire yeah. headed toward mm -hmm. right towards you. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> tsunami fire tsunami. Yeah, I know. I know. It's horrible. That cannot Ugh. be fucking real, but it is. This this is also wild. The column, so this the column of the fire was so high that clouds near it that were sh that were lightning, like had lightning, sparked Shooting new wildfires. No, yes. like of course. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. This is like a monster of a, a weather event thing. It, it's awful. More evacuations were... It's, it's almost as like, like this is must, how much the, the dinosaurs must have felt. Like, what the fuck is well, happening like all of a sudden? Well, like most wildlife, they probably had adapted to the way yeah. that it happened back then. Shit like this didn't yeah. necessarily happen no. like this because the the conditions weren't so ripe because the world wasn't burning, you know? We are burning. Oh, well. <laughs> it's just Earth. <laughs> we'll find another uh. So more evacuation orders were put in place for surrounding communities, including Anzac and Gregor Lake estates. Fortunately, evacuations were effective at saving lives. No one died as a result of this fire. So that's pretty awesome. Oh, okay. Awesome. That's, yes. Now, I should say. That's what I was waiting for, because you didn't mention a, a death toll A death up, toll I up, didn't. Up front. So what I should say is nobody died as a direct result of the of fire. The, of the event. But one thing did happen. A 15-year-old girl named Emily Ryan and her cousin Aaron Hodgson died in a traffic accident during the evacuation. Yeah. So it was horrible traffic because there was like one road in, one road out. and For 88,000 people. Yes. Um, And so like... It, they wouldn't have been on the road if no. it hadn't been for the fire. So it wasn't in. There, there were two indirect deaths, but nobody was burned. Nobody was That's died of smoke inhalation. Well, it's just good evacuation and and. But you can have a good evacuation and people still die. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean like that. You can, but they found it early on. Yeah. So they did. They were keeping an eye on it from an early time, and I guess everybody. See, this is the other difference between Canada and the United States. Some idiot wouldn't have left in the U.S., you know? I, yeah, I That's mean, my guess. Yeah. Because there's always somebody who's not going to do what somebody tells them to do for their own safety. Well, we're, we work that way we, here. We, we've been living through 18 months of that, Jesus have we not? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so. Specifically in our country. Like, I that, know. that doesn't apply to fucking... <laughs> Not certainly not on the scale. Another industrialized Jesus. countries, it doesn't apply to them. That's mm. for sure. So yeah, considering that eighty-eight thousand people were all being told to leave at once and outrun a fire on the one highway that leads in there and out of Fort McMurray, it's a small wonder there weren't more traffic casualties. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it was terrible for the people who died, obviously, and their families. But um, a local Fort McMurray convenience store owner would later recall seeing quote. Cars lined up to the south and to the north. It was chaos. I can remember the ash falling all over. Flames, you could clearly see them. Hmm. Fighting this fire was obviously a huge challenge. Uh, In the first few days of the fire, the same staff was working around the clock. They didn't go home. They barely ate. They barely slept before finally reinforcements arrived. Communication was difficult because command posts had to keep being shifted because of where the fire was encroaching. They had to coordinate such a large number of staff from multiple agencies. Interestingly, these agencies were all from Canada. So Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would later be criticized for turning down help from multiple other countries. He was like, we can handle it. Canada's got the resources to do this. He claimed the provincial and national authorities were able to keep things under control. 
By May 5th, when the wildfire had grown to cover 1,000 square kilometers or 621 square miles, there was not much hope in completely containing the fire. The main strategy was just to try to keep it from coming into new areas. Also, Justin Trudeau would have been prime minister for about around a year at this point. He was still pretty new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that he got... Um, Elected in 15? I'm or pretty 14, sure. Yeah. Like okay. He, he's an interesting guy. You know, there's like... He's like, to me, like, whatever. He's like the Bill Clinton of Canada. Like, mm-hmm. as far as, like yeah. He seems relatively likable. He does. But... Well, so was Bill Clinton in his prime. I mean, he was. He then you then you find public. out the other shit, you know. Yeah. Hopefully, now Justin Trudeau is a fine Canadian boy. He's so, also from a wasn't his dad? Oh, a political PM? family. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. The that was Trudeau Trudeau Corner <laughs> True Dorner True Dorner. <laughs> the fire continued to spread for two weeks as weather conditions did nothing to help. By May 9th, the fire was up to 2,300 square kilometers or 1,615 square miles into, within eight days from five acres to uh, over 1,600 square miles. Concerns were high as... <laughs> so this comes up a lot in a lot of the research. They always mention... Oh, but then it started encroaching on the oil, and that was the problem. Well, sure. (laughs) Of course it was. Yeah. So, concerns were high as the fire approached the oil sands operations, though in the the end, as far as I can tell, these, like, the sands themselves weren't badly damaged. But um, I won't go too far down the rabbit hole. that's, That's the most important thing. Yeah, of why whole towns were destroyed, but the oil operations managed to stay intact. Just fine. A total of 2,400 homes and other buildings were destroyed in the wildfire. And of such a small area. I'm surprised that's all it was. Well, but this is a small area. There wasn't tons and tons of structures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was relatively uninhabited. Comparatively, I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, From what I can tell, the largest building to be leveled was the Black Sand Executive Lodge. It was an upscale 665-room hotel that had been built in 2008. It was destroyed on May 16th. it had three stories. I don't get it. It was a three-story hotel. I'm just saying, like, how it doesn't matter. Hopefully others will get that joke. Oh, no, what is it from? I don't get it. It's not from anything. It was just... Why did you say three stories? It doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't like it when I don't get the humor. <laughs> what made you say that? I'm saying it's in such a small, remote part of town. Oh, like I the gotcha, biggest structure gotcha. they have three. is three hey, stories tall. 665 rooms is a lot. But I'm saying, like, That's... there could have been 200 rooms per story. Okay. And, yeah. Okay. You'd be like, wow, look at that marvel. That's cute. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have asked you to explain it. <laughs> The Horse River wildfire would continue to burn uncontrolled until July 4th, 2016. Two months later, when it was finally declared under control, it reached a final size of nearly 6,000 square kilometers or around 3,600 square miles. Well, that's okay. We didn't need all that. Eh, That forest, nature. Who needs the nature? Yeah, the rhythm and the (coughs) trees providing oxygen. Like, whatever. Just let them burn. The oil was okay. It was. So in the end. Like I said. In the end. In the end, the the money wasn't damaged. 
and that's the most important thing. Like this should be taught at a Harvard Business School course. In it fact, probably it probably is. is. What do you want to bet? Hey, we saved the oil. <laughs> that should be the subtitle of this episode. Hey, we saved the oil. So as I mentioned, eighty-eight thousand people had to be evacuated. At least twenty-four hundred structures were destroyed. Additionally, some buildings that hadn't been damaged were contaminated with arsenic. Of course, and other heavy yeah, metals. and and yeah, mm-hmm. and smoke damage yep. and all sorts of. Other and that shit. disallowed yeah. around two thousand people to permanently return to their homes. These residents had to be escorted by personnel to their homes to gather their belongings. Just, just that would be horrible. Yeah. To those who were able to... Same thing happened in New Orleans, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Katrina. Oh, there's been so many. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're going to lose track more and more because of how more frequently this will happen. So those who were able began returning to Fort McMurray in a controlled, phased re-entry that took place between June 1st and 15th, 2016. While most people returned within a year, the mayor of Fort McMurray estimated one year after the fire that 15,000 residents still had not been able to go home. Yeah. The resulting halt in oil... So, the oil sands were maybe okay, but the operations couldn't go on during this, right? So, the halt in oil sands operations cost... How much per day do you think it cost? Tens of millions? $70 million per day, to be exact. Uh, to the Canadian economy. I mean, you're literally digging into the earth. Yeah. Putting, it's fucking Putting expensive. steam into it mm-hmm. to put the research, the science, like all the... But what just... I'm saying is that's how much profit they lost out on a day. Yeah. $70 million uh, yeah, a day. Like the, the CEOs got that like under the couch. Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's like no big deal. And gas prices rose across the world of because of this fire. Yeah, yeah. Of course it Because it's such a big source. Yeah. The overall damage costs of the Horse River wildfire are estimated to be around 9.9 billion Canadian dollars, which is somewhere in the 8 billion U.S. range, making it the costliest disaster in Canadian history and rebuilding continues to this day. Yeah, that's that's like our 73rd like worst disaster. In I know, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably not. It's probably like our 10th. I mean, that's I'll that's a lot of money. That our um, biggest wildfire dwarfs this wildfire. Oh, I'm sure. Like this yeah. is not even the biggest in size. Yeah. 3600 square miles and it's still not the biggest, yeah. Um investigation into the cause of the fire has ruled out natural causes. They've determined that the fire was human-caused, mm. um, but they don't know who, and they don't know exact... It could have technically have been arson, but it also could have been an accident of, or sure. cigarette butt. Who knows, right? Um, investigators... <laughs> Somebody's starting a fire in the middle of the forest, and they're like, Oops. Well, there's a tree on fire, but I can't really do anything what about do it. What do I do like, about it? <laughs> I hope it just goes away. <laughs> I wonder if the the people monitoring the situation who first spotted the fire also saw like a little person yeah, running, like, away. running away. Like, <laughs> like, all right. Oops. It wasn't me. Can you imagine if like you were the person who accidentally started it and you've known it this whole time, but are you gonna say? Anything? Well, yeah, like yeah, like the like oh the God. like the person that started the wildfire in California because of a gender reveal. Oh God. <laughs> Fortunately, that was known. Such a fucking stupid thing to do. Also, don't force gender on your child. That's just ridiculous anyway. Let's move on. Um, 
And definitely don't do a gender reveal. Just, 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 just yes. Stop. Nobody cares. It's one of two. <laughs> like, it's so boring. Nobody gives a shit. If it's a if it's a girl, we're all gonna be like, oh poor thing, her life's gonna be shit. If it's a boy, it's gonna be, oh, hope he doesn't turn out to be a rapist. So you know, like, wow. yeah. <laughs> and somewhere so, out somebody, there, <laughs> somebody's not cynical at all. <laughs> like it's either gonna be one of two things: a rapist or like a an oppressed person yeah those those are your options yeah pretty much there's nothing in between or outside of those boundaries happy baby time somewhere one of our listeners is pregnant listening to this and going shit i have to stop listening to them now yeah and that that would be good advice like if you are one of those people stop listening (laughs) please you're not gonna like what we have to say all right um Investigations have also been have also led to recommendations, including creating more robust weather forecasting and wildlife management plans, which have largely been um, implemented. Indigenous communities also feel better prepared. Ron Kintal, who I mentioned before of the Fort McKay Metis, has said, quote, everyone is smarter today than we were five years ago, end quote. There are also talks about adding more roads for better evacuation. Unfortunately... Regardless of, like, they can pour all the money they want into infrastructure improvements, detecting, suppressing these fires, but investigators and authorities alike admit that wildfires are a major threat to northern Alberta due to climate change, and that threat will only continue to increase. Yeah, they're just saying that they're here to stay. And that, my friends, was the story of the 2016 mm. Horse River wildfire. It, 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 like, the first thing I thought of when you brought this up was the uh, wildfires that were happening in Australia, like, mm. right before COVID hit. Yeah. Remember, that was, like, the biggest story in the world. Yeah, and then it wasn't, suddenly. Yes. Uh, I mean, yeah. for good reason. But like, it's all it, it, literally, <laughs> it literally just went away. Yeah. It's like all uh, of us, news, all of Australia news, was on fire and like, oh, let's put a pandemic on top of that. Yeah. Let's sprinkle that in. I remember the, the, the awful videos of, like, the koalas getting burned and stuff yeah that was awful yeah but uh it's just like we've come to a point yeah it's not getting better well it's it's just it's it's not necessarily getting better or worse like oh it's getting worse but that's kind of relative what i'm saying is like we're at a point where just things like this they're they're, they just happen now yes it's not and they're worse no they really are worse they're worse in intensity but they just and duration but they happen so frequently that we're just like we're getting inert to them. Yeah. Honestly, don't I even know. really pay attention to I them know. all and that much. And that's shit. That's well, that shows shit. you like how bad it is. Like now we're indifferent to it. Yeah. <laughs> when, I know. Like even twenty years ago, people were like, uh, "This this is gonna happen. It's gonna be bad." And we were like, "Okay, we should prepare." But twenty years later, we're like, "Well, yeah." Technology will figure <laughs> it out. Yeah. Yeah. So the world is burning and we'll all die. Well, I mean, here's the thing for me is like, I I think kind of the missed message in all of this to me has always Mm -hmm. been the earth is going to be fine. It will be. But yeah, it will be. It'll be fucked up. Maybe nature will be fucked up a bit for, I mean, for it'll figure it out. Even if it's fucked up for a million years in the eyes of the earth, that's a blink of an eye. That's true. What I don't think is stressed enough is like. It could it could become and is likely becoming uninhabitable yeah. for humans. Yeah. 
And that that message is, I'm sorry, it's just not enforced enough. That's true. And also, what I get more pissed off as is we're taking a bunch of other sentient creatures with us, yeah. meaning a lot of animals and... Well, we always have. It, well, yes, it, that's true. We we're, murder we're, them we're, on mass levels and we're doing daily, that, so... And we're doing that just strictly with, like, land development. Yes. Well, or but, uh, the meat just, industry. But just throw in, like... Yeah catastrophic climate change which is what we're living through yes and it will get worse it is getting worse so so our next two but episodes your baby will be fine our next two episodes will be <laughs> capitalism it's the end it's over it's the end of the world as we know it well it is the beginning of uh, fancy new technology for us yes uh, maybe we'll experiment with two mics. Oh, we'll find out. Maybe I've started writing about 90s movies that I want to do. Have you been writing? Maybe. You didn't tell me that. Well, maybe. It's exciting. So. Ooh, a little tease there. Maybe we'll get uh, Twitch going. Uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think to... with our fancy new toys, there are. I think we can figure it out. There are, uh, we should expand what we're doing. Expand our platform, our yes. brand. Our footprint. <laughs> our footprint. If you will. <laughs> and I hope you won't. <laughs> Please don't. That's so pretentious. <sighs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a crazy episode, but I almost feel indifferent listening to it because I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I know what's going to happen. Like, Ten minutes in. Right, it's sort uh, it of like, like the, if you don't sort of just block yourself off from it, then it's just overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even even though we do not talk about these type of disasters all that often, mm-hmm. like once the setup is there, it's just like okay. Now we know what's gonna happen. Yeah. It's gonna be terrible. I mean, I obviously thought people were going to die right? and things like that. Fortunately, well, isn't it that didn't happen. When you're then like, oh great, like, nobody this died. Was perfect. This yeah. is a great fire. It's so much better, <laughs> and it is. But it, it's not as bad as it humanly could yeah. have been. But yeah. that's not much to go on. No. Yeah. So, anyway. You ready? I oh, am. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, you need the time. I do. Here. I do, and it and it okay. timed out. Hold on, hold on. Back <laughs> up to the top. There we go. But again, please join our uh, anti-capitalist. Yes, gift exchange. Christmas gift exchange too. Holiday. Electric Boogaloo. Yes. Uh huh. Because I I'm not sure if we mentioned it on our previous two episodes. We did. Yes, did we? we did. Okay, good. We did. So that's four in a row, and if you miss out on it, it's your it's three, three, well, four. Anyway, four. four. Yeah. So that was the 2016 Horse River Wildfire, also known as the Fort McMurray Wildfire, also known as the Beast, for obvious reasons. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. <laughs>